0: Fulfill oh my God, let it overflow, fulfill oh my God, oh my, cup, oh my cup, with God. An angel is a generic classification because angelos in Greek just means messenger or one who has a message. Message. And so uh, these are all messenger servants of God. These Seraphim, these angels, are all messengers or servants of God. Now then you have different c- groups of these. You have the, uh, the Seraphim, perhaps. You also have uh, the Cherub Cherubim uh, that are also. Mentioned in the Bible, some think that they're higher than angels, a high class of angels, and they're mentioned about sixty or well fifty so times in the Bible. That were right away after the Garden of Eden. In the Garden of Eden, when man sinned, God placed cherubim—a plural, two cherubs at least—at the east of the Garden of Eden, with a flaming sword, and he turned which this way and that to guard the Tree of Life. And you have the mentioned during the time of the Temple. And over the mercy seat, these cherubim were placed over the mercy seat, and, and there are lots of references. What do we know about cherubim? Once again, almost nothing except that they serve near God in His presence.
1: Yeah, the, the and thing. And He of, used
0: them to deal with men.
1: Right. The thing about the uh, the description in chapter one of Ezekiel is basically Ezekiel says this is the likeness and the glory of God, and these are creatures surrounding His throne.
0: And what? Yes, and what they're crying out with their faces covered. In the presence of God is holy, holy, Believe. holy. Set apart as God, not right. not them to be worshipped. Yet people want to turn. Now, ironically, in our in art, in Renaissance art in particular, for various reasons, which we, my mother-in-law did a master's thesis on angels in art, which is interesting to read and think about. But in, in re- Renaissance art in particular, these cherubs are always presented as little babies. Little infant angels, little fat, little chubby kids, which the Bible, of course,
1: when in reality, if you kind of look at what the Bible <laughs> implies about them, they're far from cute a little child. things. They're <laughs> a fierce creatures Futures. with
0: a flaming sword, sword. <laughs> right. and, and they're different than men. Okay, completely. And we in, in the Bible, we have in in mythology or in Catholic art, we have female angels. The Bible never presents a female angel. They're apparently all male angels, if they're anything, and they don't even they don't reproduce by gender. They're not like humans in that, Jesus says in Luke 24. They don't reproduce and, and they're not they don't reproduce as having babies. So basically what we have with angels is a race of beings that God simply created. He just simply says he created all the angels at one time, and they were all created at one time, whereas humans are completely different being creatures that have a body and a spirit. He it's starts off with two, and they are given the biological and spiritual capability of reproducing into a large race of people.
1: And it's interesting, I think, Jesus, families. Even, Jesus even makes a comparison, and in, in, I believe it's in Mark 12, uh, telling the Sadducees' people uh, are you not therefore mistaken because you do not know the scriptures nor the power of God, for when they rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like the angels in heaven. Right. we I was we, Matthew 24, I think yeah. you said. Uh, basically, we learn about angels in little snippets like this verse here. Yes. Yeah, there's no description to go to that gives you a complete description of an angel that I'm aware of in the scripture. You, no, they're minister spirits. It. We, we it, see it. them
0: coming, and sometimes they look like men arrayed in white linen or whatever. But they're, we know that they're spirits. They appear to be as men. And, uh, and you have
1: to be careful when you're reading about. Uh, they do not accept worship. Angels do not accept worship, in my experience, in the scriptures. No, that well, they explicitly warn about about uh, that sort us of us worshiping them. So when, and you, yet, so many people. So when you see someone accepting worship in the scriptures, that's a very special person.
0: Yes, only God
1: accepts worship. Only, only, only God accepts worship. worship. Uh,
0: that's right. Well, there are a couple other things then about these angels to remember that that is that very confusing to people. And I think that there's been, for one thing, some people say the devil is Lucifer and he's an angel. All right, I... I I don't know that the devil is ever called Lucifer. When you read the passage about Lucifer in the Bible, it looks to be Nebuchadnezzar, one of the other emperors of that time, as a name for him. You have a mention of angels in 1 Thessalonians 4, Gary, for sure. As one of our textures points out, that the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout at the second coming, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God. So, Michael is going to speak, and... and The trumpet of God is Gabriel probably. I think Gabriel is called the trumpet of God. He is the one who is the announcer. And that's why perhaps, I'll give Jerry this when he asks his question, that perhaps uh, some say, well, that makes him an archangel too. And you could say, well, this is, oh, the word archangel doesn't mean highest. It means a high angel. You know, there's all, all of that. But the one who's definitely called an archangel is Michael. You find Gabriel in Deuteronomy um, as an angel coming to Dan- I'm, excuse Deut- Daniel. I'm oh, Daniel. i got Deuteronomy. Uh, Daniel coming in to give Daniel some of his vision. He helped Daniel understand the vision.
1: Yeah, you learn Dan- a little bit more about Daniel 9. Right, you learn a little bit more about Michael and, Dan- and Daniel, including that he was delayed in doing something, which kind of. Goes along with what you said earlier. I think they were messengers and agents of God on this earth. Right. And when and Gabriel Gabriel appears to uh,
0: to Mary here in uh, hang, hang on a second uh, to she Z- not Mary to Zacharias in Luke one, John the Baptist's father, and he says to to, to Zacharias in Luke 1, 19, uh, and the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God who is sent to speak to you and bring you glad tidings." So here is this announcement by Gabriel to him. And then he, he, Gabriel is then sent six months later to Nazareth and speaks to, to, uh, to Mary, uh, uh, excuse me, to Joseph. I keep getting this wrong. I'm sorry, Gary. Uh, he speaks to Joseph. I'm thinking of Mary and Joseph. And tells him this baby's coming, this child of God is coming, and so forth. So you see this uh, Gabriel being the announcer, and uh, uh, some say, well, then this archangel is going to appear as the trumpet of God. Uh, In Jude, in Jude verse nine, Michael the Ark is where Michael is called the archangel. Yet Michael, the archangel, in contending with the devil, when he disputed about the body of Moses, dared not bring against him a reviling accusation, but said, The Lord rebuke you. So you have this, uh, that's where Michael's called the archangel. And uh, we know, I think in this case, the archangel uh, he's called. So I think that's one. You have also then the book of Revelation, and this is what I was referring to before, Gary, about
1: uh, we're breaking out in who, heaven. This is verse chapter twelve, verse seven.
0: Yes, war broke out in heaven. I think this is a symbolic war, not a historical war. War broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, or it's a spiritual war at least, or the, the symbolic is a wrong word. Probably. Well, spiritual. I think I
1: think it's a real war, but it's in symbolic it's a, language. It's a,
0: yes, it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's happening. It's a spiritual war with Michael fighting with the dragon. And and, uh, and and it's obviously symbolic also. And The, the dragon was, his angels fought, but they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Now, we could talk about that for two or three shows, but the point there is this. that The main point you should get from that, uh, to me, one of the main points that... You should get from that is that Satan thinks he's as powerful as God. He wants you to think that good and evil are equal alternatives. You know, in Eastern philosophy, which so many people have accepted without even realizing it, good and evil are the two opposite sides of the yin and the yang, and and, uh, they are equal, opposite things. The Bible never presents good and evil as equal and opposite of each other. They are opposite, but they are certainly not equal evil is mm-hmm. always subordinate to good and secondary to good and here's a case in point satan wants you to think he's equal to god when god when god wants to fight satan he doesn't go himself he sends his archangel to fight him and even michael the archangel of god can defeat satan much less god himself you see
1: well and it, satan
0: yet satan think, wants you to think he's equal to god
1: well it's very clear from the first two chapters of job who is in control what what does what does what, what is the only thing that Satan can really do in Job without permission from God, and that's accuse Job. That's all he can right. do. Everything that's done from there on, God gives Satan leave to do it or he could not do it. Right. And that's that's something that we really don't pick up a lot of when we read the book of Satan. That's I'll part of, of what
0: that's part of what is meant here when it says that Satan was no longer found. In heaven, or his place wasn't found there. In the book of Job, now you know I can say these are big subjects that could
1: take a lot of oh we could we could spend multiple but, shows on this. What,
0: but, but you find Satan coming to the presence of God in some fashion. Uh, there's a time coming, and he God still listens to Satan, and d- in the dealings with men, he deals with Satan about this. It's a very troubling and disconcerting thing, but well, I believe it's true. But there's a time coming when that's going to be over and Satan is going to be cast completely away from God's presence altogether isolated from him which he isn't altogether now, you see. Now, you got a warning about... Uh, somebody says, uh, what John the uh, texture says that archangels must have been part of Jewish belief which is true uh, that... The Jews had a very, well, let's put it this way. The the Old Testament doesn't say that much about angels in a definitive way that you can hang your hat on and say, yeah, this is a, a teaching about families of angels and this and that and the other. But now, the Jewish people and their religious scholars, so to speak, developed a whole tradition about angels. And especially the more... The the less literal Jews, the more kabbalistic Jews, influenced by mysticism. This is particularly true after the Old Testament period ended on and in, up into medieval times. Developed a whole system of thought about angels and demons and whole names of all these things, and, and the Catholic Church kind of fell into that a little bit too. So yes, there's a lot about angels in Jewish thinking. It's just not Bible thinking. Does that make any sense, Gary? Well, It's not the Bible teaching it. It's what a lot of Jewish scholars and rabbis said about it, which you and I don't put much stock in anyway, as being authoritative.
1: Well, what happens, I think, Mike, is the same thing that happens with Scripture in general. People not being satisfied with the level of detail that's given in Scripture tend to make up their own. Right. And so what we have to be careful with, and this... This this is what I keep going back to Bible study approach to it, which which basically we here would like to have you look at very carefully, not to read into the scripture more than what's there. Uh, This whole subject of angels and archangels is very susceptible to that, and I think it's been done a lot throughout history. But when you get right down to it, there are only a few things that we can say definitively about angels because of the scriptures it's given us. We are apparently, God did not mean for us to know all the details about angels and what they are and exactly how they came into being and and all of these things. It's just not necessary for us to know. It's not. It's not there, so...
0: They're, they're, they are ministering servants hebrews 1
1: right and and 2. there's another passage that i would invite our readers to look to i think one this is one of the things that uh, and, but these are called spirits and it's in zechariah chapter 6 and it's verses 1 through about uh, eight or nine eight i believe and he talks about chariots and spirits and going forth to and fro and among the earth and you'll notice that language is very similar to the first two chapters of Job too yes. of what Satan was doing. These are God's eyes on the earth in many ways. Yeah. Invisible to us.
0: They're yeah. not appearing to you right. giving you vision. They're
1: not not appearing to us, but they look at things and report these things to God in in some detail that we're not aware of.
0: When you when you read uh, Hebrews one Paul the writer, not Paul maybe he's the writer, but the writer is making a point about the supremacy of Christ. And he says, But to which of the angels, verse 13, Hebrews 1 13, but to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool? Well, the answer is he never said that to any angel. He only ever said that to Christ. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit the salvation? So all angels are are ministering spirits. They're servants. They're not sons of God in that sense. They're not the same as the son, the son of God. They're higher than man. Make no mistake about it. But they certainly do not deserve any of our worship. In fact, in Colossians 2, Gary, uh, there is this movement that began in the New Testament period of time and was gaining strength toward the end of that period. It gained a real foothold a couple of centuries later called Gnosticism. And it was a blend in philosophies of Jewish mysticism, some Old Testament laws, uh, some of the Greek and pagan teachings, and kind of an Oriental mysticism, kind of a blend of those things. And that's a long subject once again to discuss. But part of the theology of Gnosticism that was gaining hold was valuing and worshiping angels. And we have that today. People have these thoughts that come out of nowhere. Oh, an angel told this. They have visions. Angels said this. They have little altars of angels. Paul says to them in Colossians chapter 2, verse 8, Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men according to the basic principles of the world and not according to Christ, for in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. He's making a point, not angels, not other men, but only in Christ. He goes on to say in him you are also uh, you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. Now then he goes on to talk about being buried with Christ and baptism and raised to walk uh, raised with him through faith and the working of God, and he says to them uh, down in verse, uh, uh, let me read down here a little bit further on. He says in verse 18, well, he says in verse 16, Let no one judge you in food or in drink or in regard of a festival or a new moon or Sabbaths. He's condemning the the elements of this that are going back to Judaism and keeping the Jewish festivals, the new moons, uh, the, the tides, the seasons, the Sabbath days, Don't be judging food or drink, whether you eat this or eat that. This is why we're so against that on this show, because of a specific condemnation of that idea here in Colossians 2, verse 16. for sure. And he says, these are a shadow of the things to come, but their substance is Christ. Let no one cheat you of your reward, he says in verse 18, taking delight in false humility, in the worship of angels, and intruding into those things which he has not seen, implying he thinks he's seen them. He's telling you he's seen these things, but he's not seen them, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind and not holding fast to the head. So Paul links all these other types of false teachings and the lighting of candles and keeping of different feast days and forbidding people to eat this or that. He links it up with the worshiping of angels and seeing visions, things that he's seen. Thinking angels have told me this or that. Visited me, Paul says, "Forget all of that. You're going to be robbed of your reward. You're going to be cheated out of true Christianity if you follow those
1: things." Well, and, and important Mike, and I'm going to quote this passage because this this is this is one of the things that we need to, to emphasize. I think more about angels than anything else is in Galatians chapter one and beginning in verse six. Yes, thank you for going there. I, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from Him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel. Which is not another, but there are some who troubled you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ, but even if we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed, as we have said before, and now, now I say again, if any one preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received. Let him be accursed. You're not even to listen to the angels that are in conflict with God's Word. So
0: I've had people tell me, well, I I know that the Bible says this, but an angel told me this. I've literally had them tell me this, and I have to read them that verse, Gary, because I don't care what an angel tells you. If it contradicts what Paul the Apostle wrote or what Jesus said or the other apostles, I don't believe it. I'm not going to believe it. I reject it because the Bible tells me to reject it.
1: Because the word of God, the word of Christ comes before any word of any angel.
0: Right. And and I, and I think he's, he warns us about this very idea
1: here in this case.
0: Um, now some people are even what, what, the, what Gnostics also began to teach about this and some Christians seem to believe this too is that Jesus himself was an angel. He was like a high angel. So Jesus was not an angel. In fact, that's part of the point of the verse I just read to you in in, uh, Hebrews chapter 1, is that he didn't say these these prophetic utterances about angels. He said them about his son, Jesus Christ. And he's very clear in Hebrews 1 of distinguishing between angels and his son. And the angels are the ones who serve Christ. They're the ones who, who protect him, as it were comfort him in the wilderness. They're not the ones that he is serving and so forth. He's not one of them. He is a different being just as God is a different creature a different creature. God's a different being than the angels who are creatures themselves. So the original caller wanted to know about seraphim. Well there's very little to know about seraphim from the Bible except that they are directly in the presence of God and that's why Probably most scholars have thought that seraphim are the the highest form of creatures in the universe. God is not a creature. He's a being. But the highest creatures are perhaps the seraphim. We don't know how many there are for sure. Then come the angels, a whole other group of creatures among whom we have archangels. Book of Revelation, I think chapter 7 verse 1 mentions a strong angel. Jude 6 says they each have their own proper habitations and estates that the angels at times have tried to leave their proper habitation and estate in Jude 6, and God condemned them for this. And they're reserved in judgment because they left where God put them. So there is apparently a ranking of angels in God's service. Some were powerful, some were not as powerful, some were given this domain, some given that domain. And they left that, and because they left where God put them, out in the proper order. Some tried to become God, some took another job that they didn't have or assignment. God condemned them. And yet there are then they are they're called the damned angels in Jude. Then there in Second Peter, then there are the elect angels. Right? The ones right. who have, have stayed faithful to what God gave them to do. So apparently angels have free will too, Gary.
1: Yes, yes.
0: And some chose to serve God, always have Others chose to abandon him and serve their own interest, which he condemned because the Bible says that hell, Jesus says, that hell was created a place prepared for the devil and his angels, those who serve him, his his followers. That's why many have supposed over the years that Satan led a rebellion against God at some point and carried away a whole uh, array of angels with him into this rebellion against God. God, God, God did not destroy them immediately, or or completely limit their power. He left them to have them have some power and let them remain in existence until the end of time. Then He's going to destroy them in hell, put them away finally at some point in time, at the end of time. But as of now, those those damned angels are still. Uh, working with Satan to undermine God's authority among men. The elect angels are working with God to help men to worship and honor God.
1: But the implication is... That's the
0: spiritual... Those are the principalities and powers in the heavenly places.
1: The implication is, though, they are still under the control of God. They cannot do anything that he does not allow them to do.
0: Right.
1: He has to give them permission to do that. Uh, it basically it seems that they are under they are bound in a sense under his control uh, so they look for opportunities and they can accuse us and they can do things that god may allow them to do uh, and we may encounter some very difficult times uh, which we need to endure but they are strictly controlled, I believe, and that's what the scriptures say, that they are strictly controlled by God. Right. Now, there's something else I'd like to point out. You talked about angels and the definition of angel. Basically, I think an angel, in in, in some sense, is nothing more than a messenger or what we would call an agent well, of the word, whoever they follow.
0: Right. The, the word angel by itself is like the word apostolos, just simply means a servant of or a messenger of. And it's used uh, in an ordinary sense not just of a divine being but of any kind of a servant like the angel of the church of Laodicea or whatever it may be. It's probably a man, uh, possibly a man, and so forth. Now some say Galatians 4.14 makes Christ an angel, which I dispute. I don't think that's the meaning of it at all. Galatians 4.13 and 14 says it. And you know that because of physical infirmity Paul says, I preached the gospel to you at the first. At, and my trial, which was in the, in my flesh, you did not despise or reject, but you received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. I don't think he's saying there that, that Christ is an angel and you treated me like an angel. I think he's saying that you received me as a messenger of God, right. just like Christ. Or more like what the Thessalonians said, that you received my word as the word of God and not a, a man or just Uh, another being. I don't think he's saying, because Paul in other places is very clear that there's only one uh, divinity and Christ is one with God.
1: Well, God is one. I think
0: you see this... If you believe that Christ is an angel, then you believe in more than one God.
1: Well, I I would even say that, that there are indications that Christ was not an angel in the sense that every angel that we see identified as one of these angels in the typical in, way you use the word angel. in the ty- right. typical yeah. way that you use the word angel does not accept worship. No, and he he accepts worship. Yeah, Jesus accepts worship, and also there's there's some interesting things in basically in the account of uh, Moses in the burning bush. Basically, in one account it says God spoke to Moses from the burning bush, and another account it says an angel spoke to God from the burning bush. Now, he spoke to Moses. He? Spoke uh, yeah. Uh, spoke to Moses. Uh, maybe Noah, who knows? <laughs> I, I know, I, I got you. I, That's an inside joke, folks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: I preach whole sermons talking about Noah and the ark. I mean, Moses and the, the ark, ark. Of Philly, the ark of the flood. Anyway, but, go ahead.
1: Uh, but basically, there's another account in uh, Joshua. In Joshua, I believe it's uh, chapter 5, beginning in verse 13. And it says, It came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, a man stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? And so he said, No, but as the commander of the Lord's army, I have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped and said to him, What does my Lord say to his servant? Now notice carefully this reply. Then the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take your sandal off your foot. For the place where you stand is holy. And Joshua did so. This commander of the Lord's army did not deny worship. Basically, this commander of the Lord... And
0: that's why people think that commander of the Lord's army is Christ in the Old Testament. Right, I
1: would go back to uh, basically Revelation. Uh, Who do we see Jesus as on a white horse leading... The army of the Lord. Where does a commander position himself when he leads the army? Basically, read that in in, in Revelation. That that uh, let's let's take a look. Maybe I can just uh, I think it's Revelation 19, beginning in verse 11. And now I saw heaven open, and behold, a white. Now this is all symbolic, folks. This is this is symbolic language. This is not something you take literally, but this is symbolic language of, again, I think, referring to that spiritual war that we talked about earlier. Uh, he said, I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat in him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war, and his eyes were a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. Now, who's that? Right. And the armies in heaven clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, and with his he should strike the nations. And he himself will rule them with a rod of iron, and he himself treats the wine, treads the winepress of his fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. Basically, this is God, this is Christ leading the, the God's army. Right.
0: I just I, looked it up, Gary, because um, i Thought for sure it was there. It's been a while, but uh, if you go to, if our listeners want to hear a whole dissertation on this, probably forty-five minutes or more of angels <laughs> and archangels, all that. I have a sermon or a lesson on our website called "What the Bible Says About Angels." What the Bible says about angels. You go to wearejustchristians We are ju- we are just Christians. All one word com and you'll see a link to sermons, or a, a ser- you'll see a little search icon. Just click the search icon, type in angels, and it'll take you right to that sermon that you can listen to and download or whatever you want to do to it on, on angels. And I, we go into all in a more orderly fashion than we are in this show, which is kind of off the cuff, going from this passage to that passage. I go a longer explanation, orderly, about what the Bible says about angels. And, of course, it doesn't have everything you could ever know about angels, but it has a lot of information there. A lot of other passages for you to consider if you want to take a little time since you're all shut in at home, you know, can't go anywhere. You could go to our website, We Are Just Christians, and let's do a lot of lessons. You can search by different subjects. So uh, we mentioned the archangel, cherubim, seraphim in that sermon, the other angels, how the words are used, a lot of this kind of stuff at uh, what the Bible says about angels. That's one place you could go. But I would like to warn our listeners about this subject for sure because, number one, the Bible warns us about this subject, about being carried away with speculations and wor—and and, and worshiping of angels or giving them more than they're due, what they ought to be due. And, and into then thinking somehow that uh, the... Uh, thinking somehow that Christ is just an angel or that we're going to become... A- Don't you hear people say this all the time? Hearing when somebody dies oh, they got their wings? Yeah. There's not a thing in the Bible about that. That is completely foreign to the Bible that people become angels when they die. Angels are a completely different kind of creature than human beings. A person who's born a human being, your father, mother, brother, sister, child, whatever, whoever it is you love that's died, and I have plenty myself that have died, they're always going to be a human being in eternity. They're never going to be an angel. And the Bible never says one thing about them getting wings when they die. Uh, the, in fact, the Bible basically doesn't even say angels have wings per se, except that they may fly from here to there. The seraphim may have wings. But it doesn't really, you don't have to have wings to fly. Okay. Uh, do you? Did Jesus have wings when he ascended up into heaven?
1: Uh, you, you
0: know what I'm saying? Yeah. This is this is just another part of Christian, myth. I call it Christian mythology, developed in medieval times and in the Renaissance. In Catholic Europe, these lot like of this thinking is, it's been brought over into Protestant Christianity. And uh, it's something that I want to warn our listeners about, is putting too much stock in angels and waiting for some angel to tell you what you should wear to school today or to work or some other thing angels are not that not that way in the world now the other question comes up do they do we all have guardian angels well let's put it this way if we do we don't know anything about it we don't know anything more than It says about the little ones, I think it's in Luke uh, 21, I have to look it up, that that the the, the faces of these little ones are beheld by the angels in heaven, something like that. So, eh, there's just barely a reference to this, and it's uncertain what that means. But the idea that we all have a, a guardian angel, now, that poses just a tremendous amount of problems in theology to presume that every person has a guardian angel and that guardian angel watches over them so nothing bad can ever happen to them. What does that mean as far as when bad things do happen to people? What's that what's that slogan you see, Gary? Uh, Don't drive faster than your guardian angel can fly.
1: <laughs>
0: this is the kind of this is the kind of theology that you end up with when you begin to extrapolate from the Bible things like guardian angels. And not only that, even if you believe in that, okay, that's fine. But then to extrapolate from that what you think the guardian angel did or didn't do for you and says or doesn't say to you and what he's doing now or not doing for this or that. You begin to extrapolate all of that out of an obscure scripture. You've begun to add to God's word and you begin then to come up with stuff like don't drive faster than your guardian angel can fly. It's not a lot different. I used to go to the junkyard all the time because I didn't have any money to buy parts for my old used cars. And you see these cars wrecked and smashed up, Gary, in the junkyard with little St. Christopher idols statues attached to the dashboard. St. Christopher is the Catholic idol, the Catholic image, the Catholic saint of safe travel. I think one of my aunts used to, was a Catholic, and she had one of those attached to her dashboard. I always thought that was interesting. Little, looked like a little ivory figurine stuck on the dashboard. And uh, this was supposed to protect her car. Well, how come those cars are in the junkyard all smashed up? What happened to St. Christopher? If well, your guardian angel is there to protect you all the time, what happens when things bad things do happen to you? Uh, of course, people laugh. At, they look at me and say, Mike, your guardian angel is working overtime to protect
1: you <laughs> as clumsy as you
0: are. Well, oh, that might be...
1: Well, one, one more thing that I'd like anyway, to mention. Sorry, I
0: get ranting and ranting well, about no, this, but One it, more
1: thing I'd like to mention is there is a passage in Revelation chapter 12, beginning about verse 14, where a woman is given two wings and she is to fly away and she's basically doing the work of God. Don't let that, that is not an explicit passage for angels having wings, folks. No, uh, there's a whole it's study just, on this. You don't... It, it Just be careful. Uh, I I want you to understand that what we have and and many of the things that Mike and I have gone over on this show today have come from passages all over the Scriptures. You learn about many of the things that God wants you to know by reading the whole Bible, not just one tiny little part.
0: And even if we knew all about angels, I still warn you, be careful what you worship. Of what you honor, yes, okay, because the Bible's very clear about that. Uh, you, you don't worship angels, we, we might as well, um, we, we might as well look that up, Gary. Uh, because, and I don't think we've actually read it, I'll, I'm just going to read it explicitly where uh, the angel warns, uh, warns John about this. It's in, hang on, <coughs> um. It's in Revelation chapter 22, or verse, excuse me, Revelation 19, and um, let me read it here for you, get it all up here, or I can read it somehow, it's not coming up right. Then he said to me, this is the angel speaking to, to John, write, write, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb, and he said to me, these are the true sayings of God. And I fell at his feet, that's the angel, John to the angel, to worship him. But he said to me, see that you do not do that. I am your fellow servant and of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. But this is the testimony of Jesus and is the spirit of prophecy. So when John fell at this angel's feet to worship him, the angel was very clear. I am a servant of God just like you. Do not worship me. Stand up because I'm a man. So, when a man like the Pope, much less an angel, when the Pope lets people bow before him and kiss his ring, I had a big problem with that. When an angel, a high angel of God, sent on a specific mission to reveal the last words of Jesus Christ, the testimony of the Bible, the book of Revelation, when that angel won't accept worship, Who is a pope to accept worship? Who is any other man on this earth that has people bow before him uh, as a religious leader? Who is he to accept worship? So I'm Uh warning you, do not worship angels. Do not think more highly of them than you ought.
1: Uh, Mike, what's the reference for that? We need to state that. That's
0: that's Revelation verse 19, verses 9 and 10, or verse 10 specifically.
1: Well, that, ha- that happens again in Revelation 22. 22 it happens again, verse, yes. Verse 6 and following. Uh, basically, he says uh, in verse 8, Now I, John, heard and saw these things, and when I heard and saw, I fell down to worship the feet of the angel who showed me these things. And he said to me, yes. See that you do not do that, for I am your fellow servant and your brethren, the prophets, and of those who keep the words of this book.
0: Right. So, Be careful about this idea of honoring angels and cherubim. And then they they make up a whole theology about cherubim and seraphim and all that, which we know almost nothing about and uh, so forth. Now, none of this is to say that a a listener just reminded me on the text that the angel was said to have stirred up the water at the pool of Bethesda and so the man was trying to get in the water uh, when... You Wouldn't they have his friends let him in? Of course, does the Bible say that an angel was actually doing this? That's either it doesn't say that, it just says the man believed that that's what was happening. That the wa- angels would stir the water from time to time, and if you went in the water, if you first were in the water, you'd be healed, uh, you know, perhaps. But, but uh, I don't, I'm not saying angels don't exist, nor am I saying that angels do don't do things in the world today. God may still use angels, but they are invisible to us. They do not speak to us. And we certainly aren't to, number one, listen to angels instead of the Bible. And number two, because Galatians 1.6 says, don't listen to angels as opposed to the Bible. And secondly, don't worship angels because God is the only one worthy of worship. Now, when Jesus accepts worship, in the book of Revelation and other places, he's telling me he's not an angel, but he's God.
1: Yes. Because he
0: accepts the worship, okay?
1: Well, um, I, I think that uh, if you investigate that, you're going to find it very reasonably reasonable that he was at the burning bush. He was the yes. commander of the Lord's yes. army, and he is the commander of the Lord's army in the book of Revelation. Yes. Uh, he, he accepts these things, and he is something different from an angel. Right. He is not,
0: well, in the book of Hebrews I mentioned early on, we got a caller, by the way, so hang on a second there, kid. But the, the uh, he makes it very clear, the difference between angels and Christ is very clear in the book of Hebrews. Why was it brought out in the book of Hebrews? Because the Jews had already developed this mythology about angels between the Testaments, and Christ is superior to angels, even though angels have a place in God's plan. Uh, let's go to the phones, Gary. Ken, are you there? Yeah, Mike, how you doing? Good. Speak up real loud, Ken. Okay, um, I'm, I'm a little surprised since what's going on. You haven't mentioned the death angel. The death angel? The death uh, In the book of, I'm sorry, in the book of Exodus, that death angel? Right, I mean,
1: next, next week is Passover. And oh, that's the whole right, book. yes. You know what, I,
0: I never, I, I'm surprised too. I'm so brilliant, I should have thought of that, Ken. I'm glad you're here, but I, I should have thought about that. Uh, so, let me let me find a verse, and you tell me while I'm looking for it there in Exodus, unless you already have it in front of you. Exodus 12,
1: 10. And then I want you to read 1, 1
0: through 10. All right, that last part broke up. You said Exodus 12, 10. And then you said something else that I couldn't catch.
1: Psalm 91. Psalm 91, yeah.
0: okay. Okay, so, uh, I don't know why. Oh, I should have, I couldn't, can't pull it up here. Um, yeah, I knew it was in Exodus 12. So, he, he says that they would eat it in Exodus 12. And uh, in verse 13, it I says... Can't. Now, uh, go ahead, go ahead, Cam. I'll let you carry the ball on this since you called. Go ahead and carry the ball on this and see what we have to say about it.
1: Okay, um. let me get my dog. The,
0: the, the angel said that it, uh, it says there in Exodus 12, uh, 10, you shall let none of it oh, rain until. Huh?
1: 13 is the verse I want.
0: Yeah, now the blood shall be assigned That's for you what? on the houses where you are. When I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. And uh, yes. so forth. Okay. We're, we're,
1: right. Right. You know, so, they, they were told to in the house, but it
0: wasn't saying the house saved them. It was when the angel saw the blood on the
1: doorpost. The blood, the blood, of the land. The
0: blood on the doorpost would save them. Uh, you know, I guess there's something coming into my mind here, Ken, and we only got about four minutes left, so I want to make sure we get to this. But the phrase death angel does not appear in the Bible as such. And if my recollection from reading the Passover Haggadah, the order service used by the Jews at the Passover, is that it's very clear among at least the Jews of Jesus' time, that God says it wasn't an angel, but it was me who, de- who destroyed the Egyptians in the plague. What do you think about that? Um, that? Is there a reference to this death yeah, angel?
1: Yeah, I think I saw one uh, reading earlier, but I, I, I can't find it right at the moment.
0: Let me look here. Let me see if I can find. I know it doesn't look like. Uh, now I've got myself really messed up here on my computer. Sorry. I got, I
1: got no matches for death and angel in in my text. No,
0: there's, it's not per se. That that's what I'm saying. I don't think. But and there's been some dispute about that, as far as you know, what uh, people will say who actually caused it per caused it, but um, I'm trying to look and see I'm, I just can't, I don't have the time or the capacity at this point in time to uh,
1: Well, to basically, uh, the only comment that I would make, Mike, is, is and God said, I will do this basically, he also said uh, of Job, although you incited me to destroy him he says he destroyed Job, and yet Satan was given, given leave and he went out and actually, apparently did the work uh, it's it's those kind of phrases are used throughout Scripture in terms of God doing things. So I'm I'm not sure that I would say that it was Him directly just using that language. There, there's that, no
0: con, there's no mention of an angel in the Book of Exodus in connection with the Passover. Now I, I will say this obviously that it's possible there's another reference in the Old Testament that connects an angel of death. Or to to the to the uh, Passover that I'm not aware of at the moment. My memory may be faulty, um, but uh, let, let me let me check it. Somebody's trying to text me something here.
1: Well, I'm I'm not saying they're not. We're out of time, but basically what I'm saying is that language is used where God does use an agent to do the things He says, and and I would look for something a little bit more explicit than just the one passage to say that it was a personal thing yet it's tied to the blood it's called a
0: destroyer in exodus 12 it's it's called called the destroyer destroyer. right
1: yes Uh, uh it's tied to the blood and and that blood being tied back in the new testament to the blood of christ has its own uh basic connotations to it or if you will or suggestions
0: Alright, well, our time is gone today. Ken, I appreciate it. Sorry we didn't have time to really examine this and we'll maybe talk about it another time. Thanks for listening to the show today We Are Just Christians. Hope you take a look at our website wearejustchristians.com and we'd like you to take a look at that and, and uh, hope you can be with us again next week on the show and may God bless you.
1: Fulfill oh, my cup Let it overflow Fulfill my cup